All right. The Bible says this. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you tonight. We're glad to be in this place. And, well, we need you tonight, God. I stand here in this place. I need you to touch tonight. I pray, Lord, that you'd just give me unction to preach, help me to effectively communicate the Word of God. I, if there's one here tonight, Lord, lost, never been born again, I pray, God, they get saved tonight. Lord, I pray you'd help the child of God tonight. If there's someone out of, the, out of your will tonight, I pray they get back into it tonight. Lord, I pray you would help us, challenge us, Lord, strengthen us, exhort us. You know what we need. I'm glad you can speak to our hearts. Do that tonight, we pray. Help us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Ezra, in this, we come to chapter number 7. This is one of the historical books. And uh, may I say something to you? It, it's a book that I, I find so wonderful because uh, uh, what Ezra, Ezra documents here is, uh, is, is a reestablishing or restoring. Now, what happened to the nation of Israel is, is God, a long time before this, had established them and set them up to prosper. As long as they obeyed God's word, things were good. And you say, how did we get to Ezra chapter number 7? Well, they turned from God. And when they did, uh, they got put into captivity. But God said, I'd bring them back out. And I'm glad for a God, listen, who's got the grace not only to save us, but the God that that can reestablish us when we get out of his way or out of his will who can help us. I'm not talking about losing your salvation, but there's times we find ourselves out of the will of God. I'm glad for the same grace that can help us get back in. And this is what this book's about. If you've ever found yourself uh, out of God's will, listen, this book ought to be dear to you because this is God's working uh, to bring his people back into the land he had given them before. The people that were living there at this time didn't own that land. It was already given to Israel. But what a book of restoration. I'm glad for that. But as we come to chapter number 7 of the book of Ezra, it's interesting, this is the first time that you find Ezra. The book is called Ezra, but you don't find him until seven chapters in, and I I believe there's just uh, 10 chapters in this book, so oh, oh, way over halfway, and, and you say, why is that? Well, I just think he's, God used him in a mighty way. Just go ahead and name the book after him, but it's interesting is a lot of times we're uh, open to a character, but the character starts from chapter 1, but here we find Ezra is all over halfway through the book, and when he comes on the scene, if you'll read chapter 6, you'll find that they have already established the temple, and, 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 and they've got this set up, and God has him for a purpose and I'm going to talk about this, but the chapter opens up with Ezra's genealogy back to Aaron, which shows that he was a priest, and we know based on the text that he was well a scribe, and, and that's important because of what God was using him to do. You say, why is that genealogy in there? Well, it's to prove, listen, back then it mattered, and it was proof of your line. For him to do the things in the temple, he had to be proof, and there was the proof was through his genealogy, and, and we see it's important, although we read through it. In verses 6 to 10, we're given information about Ezra and God's purpose for him. We're going to talk about those. But notice for six chapters, we have no mention of Ezra. But what we see is God is working when we can't see it. Can I encourage you tonight? Just because you can't see the hand of God moving don't mean that the hand of God ain't. 
I'm talking about Ezra was back in Babylon, and, and I've not read it, and if I've missed it, you can find it. You tell me, I'll correct myself, but I have read of no mention that Ezra, it's the first time you find him in this book, had ever seen the land, been to the land, had any part of the land, but we find back in Babylon, hey, isn't it amazing? He was, he was looking forward to ministering in his hometown that he had never been before. Hey, I'm glad. Listen, I'm going to a land tonight. I ain't never been, but I'm excited to get there. Ezra was getting ready to go to home. He was going to go there for a purpose. I'm glad. I, hey, I got a home to go to tonight through what Jesus did at Calvary. But I want you to think about that. Hey, God was working when they couldn't see it. And, and think about this. The, Israel had rebuilt the temple. These first six chapters, that's what they're doing, rebuild the temple. Now, this may not make sense to us, but normally what you find out is when you build things, you try to fortify or secure yourself. You go in and say, well, I need to set up a boundary or border protect us, but that's not the way God works. You know what they were doing when they went back? They didn't rebuild the walls first. The first thing they would rebuild was the temple. You say, why is that? Because the Lord will protect us. I don't need a big fence if I got God. And, and listen, their worship and everything about them was centered around him, and that's what he taught them. And they rebuilt this temple, and, and, and they find in verse 615 of chapter number 6, you'll find that they finished the temple, and it took some preaching. You find two books, Haggai or Haggai, however you want to say it, and Zechariah, those two prophets. You know what God did, used to get the people to keep working? They got in a place where they started building their own houses. That's the danger in the last day. It's a whole other message. But they started worrying about their own stuff and they sent two prophets to go down there and preach a little bit and they ended up getting finished. We see it here. And when they got finished, this was important. They had started some of the sacrifices, I believe, but when they got here, I want you to notice what this chapter is about. Hey, when God brought Ezra on the scene, listen to me, it was with the purpose of instructing Israel in his word. You know what this is a picture of tonight? It's a picture of revival. It's a picture of restoration. Can I say something to you? We will not have any... I know we got meetings scheduled coming up. We're singing at some meetings coming up. But can I say something to you? Listen, real revival always centers around the Word of God. I don't care how happy it is. If it doesn't, if your relationship with the Bible is not altered, I'm not saying that you have to do new things. You may be strengthening things you already know, but I want to say something to you. Your relationship with the Bible will be changed when revival has taken place. It's amazing. The longest chapter in the Bible is focused on the Word of God. We see Israel here coming back into the land that God had given them, and the focus is the Word of God. Verses 11, down through the end of the chapter, was a decree from Artaxerxes providing Ezra with what was needed for them to fulfill God's Word. And can I say something to you? You ought to find great. You say, I'm just reading the Old Testament. Listen to me. You can find great trust in God. If you'll go through here, starting back at the book of Daniel, you can see it with Nebuchadnezzar. You can see it with Cyrus. You can see it here with Artaxerxes, can I say something to you? God's in total control. These men didn't know God for nothing, and God did and told them and used them exactly how he wanted to. Hold on a second. He's still in control. I don't care who's in the White House. I don't care who's in the Senate. I don't care who's ruling other nations. Hey, there's a God in heaven who's in total control. You ought to see it right here in this scripture. These are people that didn't know God. And all of a sudden, they're writing out and saying, we want you to go and do what God would have you to do. We need some of that in Washington. Amen? But let me say something to you. He's in total control. He's a sovereign God. 
And what's interesting about this, you'll find that the word law is found 11 times in the book of Ezra. It's got 10 verses and seven of the mentions that refer to the law as the word of God are in chapter number 7. Right here. Can I say this whole chapter of getting Israel back into where they're supposed to be and what they're supposed to be doing centers around the Word of God. You can see in this book revival. You can see restoration after their captivity. God brought them back as He said He would, and He brought them back and He centered their their lives around the Word of God. Now think about this for a second. I, I thought about this. God had been preparing Ezra for six chapters. Now, I don't, I mean, just stop. I mean, he'd never, that I have any record, he'd never seen this land that he belonged to. That's, y'all, I mean, I'm talking about preparing himself for a great task and, and, and thinking about what it would be like for him to come back into a place being a priest and seeing the temple for the first time. Actually seeing uh, what it would be, seeing that, how the work that God had done and, and all these things. And I thought about that and I thought about how the word of God was the center here. May I say something to you? It's got to stay the center here. We can't deviate. There's enough biblical illustrations. When you deviate from sound doctrine, you find destruction. And we see this is pictured in the nation of Israel. We can find Israel is a great type and picture uh, for us to look and, and illustrates a lot of the things we struggle with. They did as a whole. But I want you to notice this. Listen, a revival in the church or a personal revival will always be centered upon a renewal or a refocusing on the scriptures. Has to. That's what it's got to be. And can I say something to you? We're not, I'm not preaching in a place that doesn't love the Bible. I know that. So don't take me negatively. But can I say something to you? We got room to get more. We got room to grow. Right here, I got room to grow. I got room to get more. And, and I believe with all my heart. Sometimes we think of a revival, someone's got to be way out here lost, in, uh, way out here and out of the will of God, not lost, but way out here in the will of God, out of fellowship with God. That doesn't always necessarily mean that way. Can I say something to you? We could see God move here and strengthen us, and we could be doing what's right, and God could strengthen us more and more. And, and it doesn't have to be a negative thing to a positive, but it could be taking what's already going good and God strengthening that. And, and with more intensity, and may I say, what a revival is. We're coming up on revival. We got one in two weeks. I hope you're praying about it. Listen, a revival could be defined as a fresh obedience to God's Word. And we see here in the restoration of Israel, God was focused on Israel getting His Word. His whole life was to come for this moment and to get this nation to know God's Word. Think about that. All the, he'd never been here, he'd never seen here. I'm talking, you say, think about this for a second. Think about, I don't know his, I know that he may have his dad in here, Ezra the son of Sarai. I don't know Sarai, but here's what I know. I don't know uh, what he focused on back then, but I think about all the years he began to teach him and help Ezra to learn the scriptures. Maybe it was his mom, maybe it was his grandmother, but I figure if he's in the line of the priest, that he probably had something in there. 
talking about prepping him for something. Ezra may have not known that this was the moment God had brought him to, but I want you to see two things here. God was not only doing a personal work inside of Ezra to do his will, but he had a purpose in this that the whole nation would be obedient and do the will of God. Can I say God can deal with me and work in me and God can deal and work in you individually, but he can use us together to fulfill his will and that's what he wants us to do. This is about God's will and it's centered on God's word and he can help us if we'll let him. And there's three things. This is going to be a short message. Y'all's praying a lot. Look at this verse 10. I want you to find three things in here. And I want you to see the application in here. I can't put this in you. I can preach it. But I can't put it in you and I can't make it go and I can't, you know, I, there ain't an on and off button. If I knew where it was, we'd track you down and push it. But that don't work that way. This is something that, may I say, God used Ezra, but Ezra allowed himself to be prepared. Notice this. Look at verse 10. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord. Can I say something to you? We got to have a pursuit of the Bible. That word seek there, look at that. There needs to be a pursuit of the scriptures. May I say, us as believers, I believe a healthy, sound believer should have a desire to know him. Now, I mean, I know you know him, but we should want to know him more. That song, it's number six in the church hymn. I want to know more about my Jesus. We ought to want to know more. There's a problem if we don't, right? But there ought to be a desire in our hearts uh, to not only know him, but know about him. I, and you say, well, how do I know that? Because you got it when you got born again. I'm going to give you a Bible for it. First Peter 2 and 2. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Can I say something to you? I was thinking about this today. And I got to quit saying, can I say something to you? Because I'm preaching, so I can say whatever I want. <laughs> That's why I don't listen to myself, so... I never had to teach my kids to drink milk. What I'm saying is, they already come out of the womb desiring that. And I thought, what a great time. Uh, if you haven't had a child yet, you already have, you'll remember this, when they couldn't move and they couldn't talk and they started holding their bottle for the first time. I remember that. That was, that was precious. You didn't have to chase them or anything. They didn't say no. They didn't talk back. I mean, it was wonderful, right? And I love, I love my kids, but I think about those times, but I think about some of the first times when... They already, knew, they already knew they wanted it. They had the desire for it, but they learned themselves to hold that bottle. And I thought, the desire when we get saved, there's a desire towards the things of God. I, I went to church with a, with a man for years, and he's testified about this. When he got born again, he, he went to a revival meeting with some friends, and he went up and got saved, and they said, oh, won't be no difference in two years. And he said, I got a new set of want-tos. The things he didn't want to do before, he wanted to do now. And he's been going strong ever since, wanted to go to church, wanted to read the Bible. And can I say something to you? When you get saved, there is a desire for the things of God. And listen to me, but we need to cultivate a desire. Now, that's a farming term, but you can also look it up. It also means to grow in. When you cultivate, I've had a little gardens before. I have grew up there at Nitro. I don't, know, I don't know what was in the ground. I know it's just, I always, every garden I've ever planted, I just prayed over it because I have no idea what I'm doing, but he does. He's a gardener. Find it in Genesis. Planted the first one. And I mean, you're talking about some fruits in that thing. 
But I planted some broccoli, and I planted potatoes, and I planted corn. And the last one, I, the last garden that I can remember having up nitro, I didn't do a good job of getting the weeds out. But can I say, you got to work a garden. You just don't throw it in the ground and just let it go. There's work. And y'all, y'all, some of y'all know, I mean, I'm not acting like I'm some experienced gardener. I mean, I had a few potatoes and a few things like that, and I say praise God for them. But, but, but what I'm trying to say is you have to work to see that fruit and that growth. And can I say, you have to work on your spiritual lives. He prepared his heart. There was, a, there was a work done. Before he got there to do a work, there was a work already being done in him and a work being done for in them that was getting ready to happen. We have got to uh, cultivate that desire. We've got to work and pursue him. I think, uh, and, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of movies, and I'm not endorsing these movies, but there's a lot of movies that, that their focal point is going after a treasure or some sort of secret place or some sort of fortune or pursuit of faith or things like that. And, and I mean, I watched this the other day. People will pursue an accomplishment. The, gra- the greatest mountaineering disaster in American history. Now, it's, it was on Mount McKinley, and it ain't, I think it's Denali now. They changed the name back. I can't figure it out. Like, I can't figure out if Pluto's a planet. By the way, Pluto is a planet. Tell my son that. He want, they don't want to teach that anymore. Hold on. It don't just stop being a planet in 20-some years. See, that's why you can't trust science. They can't make their mind up about that. But you know, true science will line up with the Bible, by the way. Whole nother message. But I was thinking about this. They had like 18 of these men, and they got up this far. I mean, they were way up past where it was hard to breeze. And there was one more part of the climb left. And they had some men that were a lot more advanced and some of them that were beginners. And, and, and the four that were, that were more advanced, they went on the day before and, and these other ones set back, and the, I mean, they called it the storm that hit that mountain was like the storm of the century for them. And they knew the weather was coming in, they already had to report. But in the pursuit of accomplishment, they took off. They only found one of them. Dying to get up to the top. They, I believe they reached the top, but they never made it back down. And I thought about inside of ourselves how man will pursue the silliest things for a name, for clout, for fortune, for fame. But there's something in here that's worth pursuing. That's far greater. That, you, that cannot be, you can't equivalent riches to it. You can't, I'm talking about his name is God. His name is Jesus. We're going to spend eternity doing the same. You realize for as the ages roll, listen, he's going to show us the riches of his great. We're not going to find the end of him. In a million years, we'll keep singing whatever the song may be. We're going to keep saying, listen, hey, listen, we'll never find the end of an infinite God. We ought to be pursuing him down here. There needs to be a pursuit of the Bible. There needs to be a, a work in our hearts. Notice he prepared his heart. And we, can, we, can, we can do, there's, there's day, can I say something to you? You're going to have to work through some hard days. If y'all have ever done any gardening, the ground's not always soft. It ain't always nice weather outside. Sometimes you're going to have to do some things in the rain or in the hot sun. May I say, there's days like that in our Christian walk. People, let me say something to you. He's right. No pastor ought to smile all the time. And hold on a second. There's going to be days it's going to be harder to smile in than others. We're going to face some things. But we're going to have to work through them. And we're going to have to work on through the Bible. Not every day do I feel up, feel like getting up and reading. 
Don't act like you do either, by the way. I got a flesh just like you. We got the same thing. I'm just being honest. I'll be transparent for a second. I don't always feel like that, but we read through them. Can I say something to you? There's going to be some work. There was a work done in him. Talk about the great task. I think about standing behind a pulpit to preach. Can you imagine going to a land, meeting people you, have, you may have never met, and knowing you're going with the purpose to be the one to give them the word of God. You'll find him again in Nehemiah when they all stood up before him. You're talking about the pressure being on. I'm talking about, wow, think about the work that he put in. Think about the work of preparing. Can I say, we got to work through the Bible. Laborers. Laborers. That's a, that's a bad word in 2023, ain't it? Laborers, we're going, we're going to do some work to get in the scripture. Can I say, if you're going to grow, don't get caught in being satisfied. Don't think I've, I've, I've come far enough. The devil will tell you that. that when, when Paul said, I press toward the mark, and he said, this one thing I do, forgetting those things are behind, there was all kinds of things he could have looked at. Not just negative things. He could have forgot about all them perils that he went through. We know that he didn't. Greg covered it in 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. But you know what Paul didn't do? He didn't rest on the things God had already done in him. If one of the, I think one of the dangers of, of a mature Christian is getting to the place that they're complacent and satisfied of where they are. They've lost pursuit of the God. Paul said, if you read Philippians, and even in my notes, but if you read Philippians chapter number 3, notice what Paul said here in this verse. He says, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. In the first before, he says, not as though I already attained or either perfect, but I follow after, if I may apprehend that which I am also apprehended of Christ Jesus. Paul spent his life trying to get a hold of the one that got a hold of him. That's what that verse is saying. He never lost his pursuit. And may I say, our lives focus around the Bible. If we're going to live in God's will and do God's will, the everything about, we're begotten by the Word. You don't get saved without the Word of God. Christ died for your sins according to the Scriptures and was buried and on the third day rose again according to the Scriptures. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But if you'll repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, I wasn't at Calvary, you wasn't at Calvary. How do we know about it? We know because of the Scriptures. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It's the scriptures that, that lead us to salvation, and it's the scriptures that keep us in the will of God. Our lives surround that, but there's got to be a pursuit for it. There's got to be a pursuit of the Bible. And I think about this, wherever we are, we've got to continue to work on our pursuit. Don't let the danger of distraction, or don't let the danger of complacency those are things that face us that's just as real as any other temptation you may face out there. It's just being okay with where I am. Can I say there's a God in heaven that we ain't got the end of, we never will, but we ought to try all we can to know him more, to learn more, to know about him more, and he wants to help us. But there needs to be a pursuit of the Bible. Notice this. Not only did he prepare his heart to seek the law of the Lord, but there's the performance of the Bible. And it, I mean, it's pretty simple, and to do it. I mean, that's written in West Virginia terms right there. He didn't give some long theological discourse on all these things. He just said to do it. You say, what's that mean? Literally to do it. I can't say it any simpler than that. I mean, it's, it's right there. 
It was not only to know him, but he was prepared to obey him. Can I, can, the Bible tells us, James 1 and 22, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. There should be a performance of the scriptures. What, what I'm saying is, you're not going to always get it right, and I ain't either. But we ought to want to. It ought to, can I say something? I like what you said, Don. I like what you said about uh, it matters what is sung and how it is and what it is. Can I say our Christian life, how we live it, it ought to matter to us. We ought to be upset when we sin. I'm waiting for the rest of y'all to jump in on that one. Well, I'm being right. It ought to, if, if, if we can sin and it not bother us, there's a problem. I mean, we ought, it ought to bother us. It ought to bring us down. We ought to worry about our testimony. We ought to worry about how, how we brought maybe shame to the name of Christ. Those things ought to come in our mind. Now, the devil will use it and try to run you down and make sure you never do anything again. But can I say something to you? Hey, hey, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He'll forgive us and he'll help us get going. But we ought to remember those. There's times in my life, there's markers, them chastisement he talked about this morning. I could not remember that scripture. I don't like chastisement, but I can tell you sometimes that I've got it. And let me say something to you. It's helped me going forward. But there needs to be a performance. Can I say, I love, I like when it gets on. I mean, I like when God moves and I like when people are, I mean, people are obedient to the Holy Spirit and the testimonies are, are full of the power of God, the preaching's full of the power of God. I like when the singing, gets, I like all those things, okay? I, I love it. But revival's not based upon emotion, although it has emotion attached to it. And we're, listen to me. I think if we're not careful, we can rate a week of meetings or we can rate some things by how, we, how good it gets on in here. But if our lives are not being altered and changed in more obedience to the Word of God, we didn't get revival. I don't care how loud it gets. I mean, you get the best preacher, whatever it may be. I don't care all those things. You can have all those things. But if there's not more of an obedience to the Word of God, if my relationship with the Bible's not being changed, can I say something to you? If you set in time and time again, if you're preparing your heart and you're doing the right things, in this church right here, listen to me, in this church right here, you ought to see a growth in your Christian walk because the Bible's preached and taught here. But if there's not, before you blame the preacher, and listen, I can do a lot better. Y'all pray for me. But before you blame the preacher, are you preparing your heart? Revival, which is what we're looking towards, is based upon obedience. I hope, I mean, I'm praying that people's born again. I'm praying that, that, that I mean, that... There's repentance, there's growth in the believers. I mean, I want us to get close as we can get. But I, after measuring a week, it all, the choir here sounds good. Y'all say amen. I listen, it, it can all sound good. But if there's not a growth in us and a change towards our relationship with the Bible, then I'm going to question if we got revival. There's got to be a performance of it. And lastly, look at this, and I'm going to quit in 30 minutes. Notice what else he's going to do. And to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. There's a proclaiming of the Bible. 
Now, we do this here, but I, my desire on Saturdays, and I've seen it already, I've seen us grow in number. Thank God. I appreciate Miss Gail and Sue. When I first came here, Gail, Sue, Tom, and I, we did a lot of Saturdays together. And I've seen a growth in not only our numbers, thank God for everyone that comes out, but also in the boldness. People's knocked on doors and told people about Jesus. That's never done that before. We ought to say praise God for that's what we're called to do and thank God for it. And I, in my mind and my heart, my desire is, listen, I want to grow outward. I mean, I hope that we get here and I, you know, my mind explodes wondering how we're going to send everybody out because we got so many. But also in that, I have a, in my heart and my desire is that we're going out, we're knocking on every door, we're sharing the gospel, we're witnessing, we're ready. I want to see us growth in us ourselves. And can I say, what comes with the revival? And we're doing these things and I praise God for where we're going, so don't take any of that negatively. I thank God for it. But you know what we see here? There's a proclamation of God's word. When revival comes, we're going to share him. Notice what Matthew 28, 19 says. Same word here, teach in Israel. He says this, go you therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. When a revival comes, there's a proclamation of the Bible. There's a growth in getting God's word out. And I just, I tell you, I, I look from a pastor's standpoint, I thank God for how we're growing here. I'm watching people and I, I thank God for it. And I know Tom and Greg do the same. And, and I praise God for it. And, and don't take this as I'm not, I mean, listen, in, in the last year since after COVID, we've almost hit Dunbar a time and a half. And we've put out, I don't know how many over in South Charleston. I believe that we start here in Jerusalem, but we work our way outward. We're, we're inviting people, we're talking to people, and I, I see the growth in that, but I want to say something. To, I'm not, I don't want to be satisfied with it. Because I think we can do more and grow more in what we're doing, and I believe God will do that. And I'm not saying we've got to figure it all out today, but he, there's a growth in that. But listen to me. We as a church, I believe with all my heart, if we'll see a growth in us, there'll be a growth in us getting the Word of God out. And we do that here already, so don't, don't take me negatively. Well, sometimes y'all, if, if I'm not careful, y'all think I'm beating you down, and I'm not. I'm complimenting you. Thank God we got people willing to go out. Thank God for all the ministries. We're in elementary schools. We're knocking on doors. We're reaching kids at backpack. We're all these kind of things. Are getting, I know there's a lot of good things we do, but it's centered around the gospel. I'm for all the things. I'm for feeding. I'm for, I'm for everything that we can do to help them. But listen, if we can't help get them to heaven, we're missing what we're doing. Well, that's our focus here. So I mean, I think praise God for it. Any way we can get the gospel in people's hands, that's what we want to do. But I believe with all my heart. Start right here with me. There's room to grow. There's room to grow. The more we get in God's word, the more God's word will come out of us. Come on, Judy. I want to challenge you tonight. We're coming up on revival. I think revival requires an examination of some sorts. But let me ask you this question. We've been, since our spring revival, it's, what, I don't know how many months we've been since our spring revival, Tom, five, six months? About the same time you got an extra kidney. So however long that's been, yeah, about six months. I want you to think about this for a second. 
if you were here six months ago, and if you weren't here, just let me ask you this question. How's your relationship to the Bible changed in six months? You still reading through it? Still desiring it? I'm not doing this. I'm just, I'm just asking a question of examination. I think I'm okay in doing this. I'm not being mean. I, I love you. I, I want to help you, okay? But just be real honest with yourself. I know things happen. I mean, look what in six months, all the different things that, that, that we've been through together but, and things you've been through. But ask yourself this question. How's my relationship with my Bible? 